everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 9, issue 410, Donkey Kong, Jungle Beat. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Brian Edwards. Hello. Darren Gargett. Yay. And Nikhil Croder. Donkey Kong. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Donkey Kong, Jungle Beat then. We've been asked uh, a number of times to, because we cover games that maybe not everyone's played or in some cases even heard of, we've been asked to sort of give a little overarching precy of what kind of a game it is. And I think in this particular instance, that's something that we definitely need to do because we've had a lot of people either unaware of this game altogether or understandably, I think, confuse it or, uh, yeah, get it muddled up in their minds with the Donkey Konga games, which we covered a little while back on Kane and Rinse. Check that issue out. Even uh, our very own Chris O'Regan, who's a, a games historian and collector, hoarder, <laughs> even he wasn't <laughs> aware of this game, which I was, yeah, I was fairly flabbergasted by. So Donkey Kong Jungle Beat is a single player, banana collecting, combo focused platform game played with bongos or not. More of that later. It isn't a music game or a rhythm action game, really in any way at all. Are we all happy with those descriptions? Yeah. Yeah. No objections. <laughs> no objections. This was developed by Nintendo EAD in Tokyo. This was the first game developed by the EAD Tokyo division. All the previous EAD stuff was Kyoto, presumably, which is where Nintendo is based. Nintendo makes it, of course. And the director is Yoshiaki Koizumi. Now... He was an illustrator. You'll almost certainly have seen his art if you go back a bit with Nintendo games because he did some of the artwork and the manual for things like A Link to the Past and Super Mario Kart. So all those adorable little pictures that you used to get on boxes and in paper manuals, that was where he started in the early 90s with Nintendo. Then he went on to become a scriptwriter, uh, contributed towards Link's Awakening, uh, and also was involved in the, the, the event design and the boss design and the manual again of that game. Did some CG work for Yoshi's Island, became assistant director on Super Mario 64 and a 3D animator. So you can see the path. Uh, then had credits on Ocarina of Time and Link's Awakening DX, of course, Smash Brothers as well, uh, but that was to do with the other games that he'd worked on. Majora's Mask, Super Mario Sunshine was his first game as a director. Uh, we talked about that game some years ago and uh, certainly had some issues, I would say. My least favourite 3D Mario, although some people's most favourite. Possibly it was a bit of a rush job in some ways. Uh, he was assistant director on The Wind Waker as well. And then this was his second game as director. After this, his next game was Super Mario Galaxy as director. And then after that little run, really, of games as a director, he's gone on to become a producer, which is kind of what happens. So you spend years and years as an artist, an illustrator, you get a few games as a director. And then if you do well in that regard, you kind of get moved up one more rank into the producer category. And I always think that's a shame. That seems to be the norm, with particularly with Japanese studios, and I'm not saying that as a producer, you don't have any say on, obviously, you, you are still heavily involved in the production of the game, hence the name. But I think it's a shame that I think they become slightly more one level removed, slightly more, more executive. Off, right? Yeah. And when, when this guy directed Super Mario Sunshine, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, Super Mario Galaxy, you'd have thought, I'd quite like to see him do some more stuff before he becomes a producer. But uh, but there it is. Uh, the producers on this one were, of course, Shigeru Miyamoto and Takao Shimizu. And it was released on the GameCube in Japan. 
December 2004, 16 years old. The EU version arrived in February 2005. Ha <laughs> ha! We got it a month before the USA. <laughs> it, I mean, it did boo. happen even back then. <laughs> even back then, it occasionally happened. Uh, that was March 2005. Australia got it a few days later. Then the Wii version, known as Play With Wii in Japan and New Play Control outside of Japan, arrived in December 2008. So four years later in Japan from the original release. And then there was a slightly longer gap before this time. The US got it first, 2009 May and June was Europe and Australia 2009, so 11 years ago, near enough. Curiously, it was one of the first two games to have the newly, then newly introduced E10 Plus rating by the ESRB. It was created on the 1st of October 2004 after complaints about violence and gore in games such as Pikmin 2 and the video game adaptation of Shark Tale 2004, (laughs) both of which were rated E for everyone, the other being Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie's Revenge. So this was the equivalent of... Batman's 12, Batman 1989's 12 rating, effectively. It was, it sat in the middle of the E for everyone and whatever the next level of ESRB up was. Very strange. Pikmin 2 listed as violent and gory. <laughs> mm. It has, uh, yeah, maybe it's the horror of the of the dying Pikmin, but it was said, <laughs> at least by one of us in the discussions we've had leading up to this podcast, that it is quite, it is quite violent for a Nintendo game in some ways, isn't it? Yeah. There's actual yeah, there's there's part portions of this game that that straight up remind me more of like Punch Out than like a platformer. Sure. Um definitely. so yeah, so yeah. De- de- it definitely has that, you know, there there's there is times where you are mimicking actions on your drums and simulating Donkey Kong just absolutely beating the snot out of something. So yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing, you, you know, in in uh in Donkey Kong Country you just hop and bop generally. But here, mm-hmm. once you encounter bigger enemies, not even the bosses, you jump on top of them and you start pummeling them like crazy, or you rip the tongue out of a frog, and uh, yeah, he's mm-hmm. it's almost yeah, it's, it's almost glee- true, gleeful, yeah. and it's uh, the mm. the way that's the, sadistic, yeah, the, the way that <laughs> Donkey Kong exacts violence on his uh, on his enemies. That's uh, and then it's kind of um, accentuated by an inverted color freeze frame of the whole thing, just you know finishing. It's just like power in, and that's the finishing yeah. move. It all goes inverted and yeah it just feels even more powerful Fatality. than what it actually is it, yeah it looks <laughs> ridiculous at times and uh all the better for it no blood no swearing though oh uh, i'm up for the that wii U <laughs> the wii u eShop version arrived in november 2016 in north america and december early december in australia and the eu for some reason i decided incorrectly that it hadn't come out in the eu but it did and then japan actually got it last in the middle of 2017 Reviews-wise, the GameCube version outranks the Wii version by 1% averages, according to game rankings. Uh, Luckily, those legacy scores are still up there on their Wikipedia entry. So it was 82% for the Cube version and 81% for the Wii version. The game was uh, given a couple of E3 post-show awards by uh, Game Critics, not the current website. I think it was a separate entity. Uh, This was Best Original Game at E3 2004 and Best Puzzle Trivia or parlor game Mm -hmm. user reviews wise nintendo life has a similar gap and similar scores to the critics reviews so 8.1 out of 10 for the q version and 8 out of 10 for the wii version sales wise given what i was saying about how a lot of people either didn't know what it was or confused it with the donkey konga games it sold actually quite a decent amount of copies with the cube version having sold one and a third million copies and the wii version having sold about 
600,000 copies. So almost 2 million across the two. And maybe once you factor in some Wii U downloads as well, probably hit the 2 million mark, which isn't too poultry. No, and imagine if you've got the bongos by this point, you're in for anything that they release on it, right? So after, well, that after was, two yeah. Conga games... There were probably a mass enough bongo sales to um yeah to generate three in Japan of course of course yeah and then uh yeah so if you're in into bongos at this point then you're definitely in for Jungle Beat well that was it yeah uh, well that takes us into our histories so Mikhail you already had bongos you had to have Jungle Beat uh, I didn't have bongos actually I bought the the package the bongos with Jungle Beat I have that box uh, box go. set yeah 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 because I I guess you weren't alone in that no because. I was uh, I was not on board for for Donkey Konga. You guys did a full show on it, which I really enjoyed listening to, of course. But yeah, I I always felt it. I'm not a, the biggest fan of rhythm action games to start uh, to begin with, and I also yep, found it, it quite yeah the, the, the just the the, the 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 lame cover versions of these songs just made it feel like mm-hmm. a very I don't know not the hippest of products, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> So much fun, though, we had. Listen to that show, listener. Yeah, no, I, I, had, I, had a, I had a lot of fun listening to it, definitely. So, uh, but I was really uh, on board for this game. Uh, I was really excited for it. And it came out just a little bit before my birthday. And my wife's birthday gifted it to me, the whole, the whole set, the bongos in the game. At this point, now we're flooded with 2D platformers, right? Of the downloadable variety, of the retail uh, version variety, of the, the bigger, bigger ones. Yep. But back then, it was almost a non-existent genre at that point. It uh, sort of had, had stopped existing uh, around 2005. So I, I was really, I, I was, I, I was really missing uh, playing 2D platformers. And, you know, my, I didn't have any access to older systems at that time anymore because I had sold off all my stuff back in the, back in the days. And I was, yeah, just really excited to play another Donkey Kong platformer. And with the bongos, that seemed only to add uh, to the fun. So I was really on board with this. But to my surprise, it seemed like I didn't know anybody else that was so excited for it. And I spoke to a lot of other people, like fellow uh, games magazine editors that I, you know, the, the, the GamePro magazine that I started to work at later. And everybody was just kind of looking at me funny when I told them how much I loved this game. Huh. I, I always felt like I was kind of alone in my enthusiasm for Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. No, I don't think so. Uh, so you've completed it recently and beyond. Yeah, yeah, I already got... Um, yeah, I, I played through the normal game all the way through in uh, 2005 and, uh, and beyond. Uh, but recently, I, of course, went on our Twitch channel and decided to milk the game for all I could uh, reasonably milk it for before the, we started this, uh, this podcast recording. Uh, that means I wanted to unlock the, what I thought was the final world, uh, 41 crests. <laughs> but then it turned up there was a 51 crest unlockable world after that. So I had to keep going for that one. Uh, and I discovered in the meantime, maybe I've had known this at some point, but I've forgotten, but that there were actual actual platinum crests, which I started to... Yeah, uh, I was there when you discovered yeah. that. And I looked it up in the manual and it literally says something along the lines of, there's nothing better than a gold crest. Like it, yeah. it, it pretty much <laughs> throws you... It doesn't want you to know about it, right? So it's... Uh, yeah, the Wii version actually says, maybe if you get more bananas, you'll get a better prize uh, yeah. in its within its revised system. But yeah, the original just says, gold is the best you can get. Don't think about getting any more. <laughs> yeah. And to <laughs> my to my big surprise, platinum uh, platinum crests were a thing. So yeah, yeah. and I, um, I definitely uh, started playing with more vigor. 
And at least one of our regular, or your, I should say, your regular Twitch viewers for this game was somebody who had got Platinums on all courses. Yeah, no, no right? more Sparrows. He's, uh, he contributes to the forum as well sometimes. On, uh, he does. On, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, correspondence on the games. And he got all the, uh, all the crests in the game, the 70, 72. And he said, don't do don't that. Don't do it because it sucked all the fun out of the game <laughs> for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, stopped at, uh, I stopped at 55. Yeah, 55 is decent. Uh, considerably more than I've got at this point, which is mid thirties, I think. Brian, how many crests? Oh, I uh, bet when I originally played the game, I can't remember. I think we unlocked the fifty-one crest world, if I remember correctly. But um, that was a group Decent. effort because, uh, much like the Donkey Konga Konga games, we talked about that a few weeks ago. I had this game in my college age years, and so the bongos were always a, a kind of a staple in the the dorm room, and. Um, it was interesting because when this game first came out, I thought it was just another Donkey Konga game. The, the name Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, obviously, you mentioned at the yeah. beginning of the show, Leon, it leads you to believe that mm. it's another rhythm game. And I just kind of wasn't mm. in the mood for that. I'm not sure if Guitar Hero was actually out by that point, but I we had kind of moved on like mm-hmm. from the so sitting around with Donkey Konga. And then one, then I started watching some coverage of it. Um, I think it was, it was on GameSpot at the time, and I saw a video of it, and I said... Oh, this looks like Donkey Kong Country, and I was like really excited. So I went out and got it, and um, me and my uh, my sweet mates in college, we just played through the whole thing, just you know, trying to up each other's scores, trying to do you know, um, you know, do get through the boss runs without taking any damage, you know, all that stuff. So we played a lot of it um, in college, and then recently, in my most recent playthrough of the last couple of weeks, I think I got up to. I was circling the drain on the on the last level last night. I didn't quite get the forty one crests, but um, I think I met like thirty nine or. 38 right now so yeah so i've i've I played this game i can't remember the exact f- first year i got it but um played it kind of completely back in my college days and then recently revisited for the podcast it really is an interesting case i think where maybe if they just changed the name of the game certainly it wouldn't have been the same with a different interface i mean it literally isn't but we will talk about the wii controls mm. but I do wonder if it could have done better for them if they had called it, even if they just put Donkey Kong Country Jungle Beat, because right. maybe then people would have got the platformer association better. It's actually a, mm. cle- a clever name, but it's uh, maybe a little bit too clever for its own good. Mm. As soon as I saw video footage, I'm glad I did. I went from like a not interested to a like I have to find the local store and get this game immediately yeah. type of thing because. I was definitely, and we've talked about it on the Donkey Kong Country shows before, just that style of platformer was something I was very nostalgic for and uh, for my childhood and, and just was really looking forward to revisit. And, and this game didn't disappoint, and at least in that regard. Darren, you've been on most of the Donkey Kong shows mm. because he's your idol and your hero. He's the king of the jungle. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Donkey Kong Jungle Beat for me was a day one purchase on the GameCube. I think I fell off it quite quick, though, because 2004 was somewhat of a stellar year for video games, and namely Half-Life 2 and Counter-Strike. I think at this point I was knee-deep in PC gaming. You know, the GameCube was definitely a a force in my bedroom. Paper Mario, Thousand Year Doors also out at this point, as uh, in last year, well, the year previous to this. Uh, Yeah, so a good good mix of GameCube and PC, and a little bit of Xbox as well, because Halo 2 had just come out. So I had a lot going on game-wise, and I think Donkey Kong Jungle Beat fell by the, uh, by the wayside, unfortunately. I remember getting to the Jelly Cube level, thinking, this is really decent, and then just never picked it up again, or never bongoed it up again. But yeah, so I uh, played it again uh, recently, up until 
what did I get? 37, 38 kind of um, crests. And I was meant to go back and get the last, um, you know, the last level or not so last level open. And then I just didn't <laughs> for no reason um, other than just uh, energy and time, I guess. But yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, first time finished it uh, this this year. Yeah, this year. Can't remember. Hmm. Last year. Time's a blur. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm looking at the front of my box. It's the original copy that I had. It has not to be sold separately on it. So I think I got mine with my second pair of bongos. I already had Donkey Konga, but maybe I'd only played that single player or possibly multiplayer when a friend with it come around or something. So, yeah, I definitely, it was definitely weekend one, if not day one, because I'd seen the the screenshots and the reviews and for whatever reason it had sunk in that this was an an action platformy kind of game rather than a, another rhythm action game. Maybe, I can't remember, but maybe I did assume it was a bit more rhythm based than it actually is, but I was up for the idea of a, of a, a bongo controlled platformer. It was, I knew it was Nintendo first party and they had quite a good track record. So uh, even though I hadn't probably worked out that it was this new branch of the EAD studio, as far as I was concerned, it was, it was going to be a, a top tier product and i think yeah, as we as we saw it reviewed you know 80s across the board or there there or thereabouts maybe there were a couple higher and a couple lower but certainly i remember reading reviews that were pretty glowing about how fun and imaginative it was so yeah i got it and i played it i think about probably two-thirds of the way through at the time and then for whatever reason got distracted and started playing something else and hadn't gone back to it but it's been in my collection ever since this was the excuse I needed, our long-running series of Donkey Kong shows, to come back and finish it off. Still loads more I could do, but I have also started restarted the game, sort of trying to up my score on each level, because that's really what a lot of it's about. And also, in researching this podcast, I really hadn't acknowledged just how much of a remix the Wii version is. So... The more I read, the more I decided I needed to play it before we recorded. So I ordered a copy from eBay for under £6. It arrived in like three days. Uh, you can download it, but it's 18 quid on the eShop. So a third of the price to buy a physical copy. And I've been playing that for the last couple of days. I haven't quite finished it yet, but uh, I've played a good chunk of it. And I'm quite familiar with the differences. Um, and... I mean, without spoiling the ending, I will be keeping both of these beyond. Uh, these will not be being traded in now they've been finished. They will go back onto the I want to do these games better at some point when I have a window kind of pile. We've also heard from a few correspondents. Alex79UK says, I received this game completely by accident one Christmas many years ago. I told my girlfriend I really wanted the GameCube bongos with the Donkey Kong game. At this point, I wasn't even aware of the existence of Jungle Beat and had actually been asking for Donkey Konga. I opened the present on Christmas morning and was delighted. It wasn't until I actually looked at it properly later in the day I realised the error. But, as it turns out, I wasn't disappointed. I had a blast with this game and the bongo seemed to work surprisingly well for controlling a platformer. What a novel idea. You might get lunatics these days completing Dark Souls with a guitar, but the concept of controlling games that shouldn't really work with novelty plastic instruments started a long time before that. I've still got my bongos somewhere. I would dig them out, but I'm afraid the game would be unplayable on modern TVs. Interested to find out whether that's the case or not on the show. Well, let's discuss that right now. I've been playing this on my LCD, and it's actually fine. Uh, I was concerned that there would be input lag. I think there's more issues with the way it looks 
than the way it plays in terms of playing it on a modern TV. Yeah. That's my experience. I'm not sure if it's yeah. just um, the like the physical uh, the input lag is different for Donkey Konga than these games, but I played mm-hmm. uh, n- now just recently having played these very close to one another for the podcast. Um, I found the lag. Um, it, I mean, I wouldn't call it imperceptible, but it certainly was much less than Donkey Konga uh, for playing on an LCD TV. I didn't have, yeah. I didn't really have any trouble getting gold crests necessarily, or like you know, uh, didn't like in the boss fights we'll talk about later, like versus Karate Kong, where you kind of have to be pretty precise yeah. when you're clapping, and the, yeah. the the lag from the audio to the response TV, it didn't really seem like there was much there. It just leads me to wonder: is there maybe really generous windows on those to begin with? I'm not sure, but um, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't seem to have any trouble at all. It, it played great. I didn't, I didn't mm. have to break out the CRT at all. I think the only problem I had with the lag was when you were doing that the awesome kind of wildebeest run and you know run and jump sections where you have to oh, like okay. jump over yep. various platforms, leaving the last this jump to the last second. Yeah, yeah. and I found it was yeah, just same. a little bit too you know oh I missed it and I didn't feel like it was my fault. Yep. But I, I soon right. got over it because it's well, you know, one of the most fun things I've done in a game in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a will? I don't think it's a wildebeest. It's uh, uh, it, it, someone like a, says it's a yeah. onyx. I don't know. Yeah. Onyx? So is it? No, not an Onyx. Oh, anyway. Mikhail, <laughs> do you know what Orca is? It's not right. It's definitely a wildebeest. Yeah. Is it? Okay. It is definitely a wildebeest. Yeah. Officially. I'm, I'm reading sure. the manual here. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. In that case, I'm not <laughs> going to confirmed argue. confirmed wildebeest. Yeah. I'll accept your apologies later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My apologies. <laughs> now, what I'm suspecting uh, on the lag issue, if I may, uh, is that I think it's not as exacting as something like Donkey Konga would be. Uh, yeah, because precisely. yeah, if you've like uh, Darren was saying on the on the jump, you have to be very precise. For example, but a lot of the actions you undertake have a fairly generous window. Like uh, mm-hmm. the, clap, the cl- clapping has to be done timely to clap grab bana- uh, bananas in midair, for example, right? But you send out a shockwave, so you know you can you yeah. you don't have to be exactly on the the millisecond there. Uh, just it's it's more a situational spacing thing rather than a timing thing. Yeah, and I could also see the argument for the keeping the air combos going, you know, catching the corner of a piece of geometry. You know, the the, the actions needed to do that from the player to get Donkey Kong in a very uh, particular spot. I, it didn't bother me too much, but if I wanted to go for a corner to, you know, a, a, a leap from a flower to a thing, I always found that maybe my, my actions, when I needed to pre- uh, precisely control donkey kong it wouldn't it wouldn't match up to my actions but again it didn't it didn't really impact my um enjoyment for the game it was just a bit more like i probably won't bother doing that now do you know what i mean mm. but i could see it being done if you were to put the effort in if you wanted to go for like an eight or nine ten combo then you know you could do it but it wasn't as forgiving as what i was hoping based on what Mikhail said about the the other actions being so forgiving like you like, like the shockwave and like basically anything else in that game it's just mm-hmm. it's got you got a wide window to do anything really so when it did come down to the final movements i did find it a bit fiddly and i think if i maybe was trying to go for those platinum crests or like really trying to complete it maybe yeah, the exactly. lcd would have run out of its 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 use case you know after yeah. a little bit but but just for completing you know completing the main st- the main levels getting to the you know the credits proper wasn't too much of an issue i didn't think there's no reason why it would be any worse than any other game from the era because just because it's bongos it's the same the same yeah. difference effectively right. in terms of input lag versus a cathode ray tube naturally i was playing on on crt and then getting all the the the, the higher crests the the platinum crests will definitely enforce more strictness on your timing 
Yeah, I was I was never hindered by that. I think the only thing that hindered me really was a comfortable position sitting on my chair, <laughs> but that had more to do with the with the streaming situation because I had some some wobbly bongos uh, going on. Actually, I would say I had the same issues, even though I wasn't streaming. Like to have them between your knees, like the width of the arms on my chair did not allow that to be comfortable. So yeah. I ended up with them kind of wedged under my thighs, kind of pointing, tilting yeah. forwards. There's there's definitely, and maybe maybe putting them on a table would be better, but then you realise that you're kind of banging the floor quite a lot, which isn't yeah. appropriate for a lot of people. Yeah. So there are considerations with, with this. The amount of times the bongo slipped off my lap um, when you were playing the end of level kind of mini game, yeah. when you get just munching the bananas like nothing. <laughs> And you want to yeah. go higher than 67. I think that's my highest score. Like, I could never reach that again. And I was just like, right, go for it. And the bongos just fall on the floor. You're like, oh, I can't do this. And these stupid bongos. <laughs> they needed to add an extra peripheral for the bongos. So, like, a peripheral yeah. for a peripheral so they can, like, strap around your waist or something. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Shoulder strap. Come on. I should have worked at Mad Cats at the time. Yeah. I, f- oh, I yeah. found the best I- off- offline uh, playing. Um, method was to sort of sit in a lotus position on the floor and uh, and wedge them between your legs yeah, like that. Yeah. Which is fine if you've got no one underneath you, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I ended up um cracking the screen on our baby monitor uh, because I had it set oh. I had I had it set up on the table I was playing the bongos and exactly what Darren was saying the end of that level comes and I just want to get over 50 because I think it was close to the 800 that I wanted and I started yeah. wrecking on them and the, the monitor tumbles off goes onto the floor I mean it still works but you know it's it's got the it's got the stank of bongo all over it now so yeah, say, well, <laughs> yeah. when you broke the screen on that did it inverted like black and white colors no, it didn't, like on an enemy no. <laughs> 67's a lot like my best it was a one off I think was mid 50s uh and interestingly on the wii version where you shake the shake the wii remote and nunchuck i could only ever average about high 40s it was a freak occurrence man like it's just there and i was like right i'm trying to get that again because i thought it was just like it was like i wasn't trying as hard so therefore it was a better Mm. score but when you relaxed your muscles that's it once you proper start going for it you were one with your idol at that moment (laughs) the spirit of donkey kong had uh, had entered it does remind you in the manual i think that you don't have to hammer it like you, yeah. the the bongos work if you tap if you tap them quite lightly if you yeah. actually press them rather than beat them but then it does seem to rather take away from the um the kind of point and I would find I would find myself in the middle of like jump combos and everything like I'd be up to like combo ten and you know I maybe have fifty or sixty bananas stored before I'm landing the ground and at, when I started the combo I was only pressing the buttons to jump and then by the time I'm getting a little amped up now all of a sudden I'm smacking them like an idiot and trying to you know you get all nervous and you start hitting them a little bit harder so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it, it's tough it's tough to remember when you're in the thick of it I mean you have these drums you want to hit them but yeah if you just like lightly tap on the right or left it it, it it's pretty easy to control him but I mean, who wants to play like that? <laughs> so in terms of a scenario, the GameCube version doesn't really bother with one. It simply says on the back of the bot, on the PAL bot, Donkey Kong hurtles around huge realms in his quest to become the Ape King! Exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> That's it. Sure. So he kind of, he goes out on the attack here, yeah. which is interesting because they effectively changed this up to make him a more sympathetic protagonist in the Wii version five years later when an army of invaders infiltrate Donkey Kong's jungle home and help themselves to every banana they can get their hands on, you know there's going to be trouble. With a rumbling stomach and the support of some fellow banana-starved buddies, the agitated ape sets out to reclaim what's rightfully his and liberate the kingdoms he passes through in the process. 
That's according yeah, to that's Nintendo just, that's EU. Just, that's just retconning history, as far as I'm concerned. Revisionism. <laughs> yeah, revisionism. Yeah. <laughs> history is always written by the winners. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Re- history, history <laughs> was written by Donkey Kong in this case. Does it have a cutscene to show this newfound story for the game, or is it just the same? Uh, the It's not much different. The, in, the intro is slightly different as everything is but mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't have a whole kind of you know cut scene with like whereas the donkey kong country returns games have actual animated sequences of things happening the islands being invaded yeah. bananas being stolen even the original super nintendo donkey kong country of course had the the bit where you go into the banana That's right. vault and see that it's all gone and your eyes pop out this this first the first incarnation of Jungle Beat just nothing just like right I'm off yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna kick everyone yeah. in the reason why I never felt guilty running through all this kingdom kingdom and uh, kingdoms and, and stomping on all these enemies because you are going through other other uh, primates kingdoms right they're called kingdoms yeah and stomping all over them and conquering them is because they all have evil eyes so they were sufficiently demonized oh, yeah. they were sufficiently <laughs> yep. demonized for me to not to feel guilty when I stomp right. all over them conquer their worlds. They've been had their picture taken from the like late nineties because they've all got the red eyes like pupils. It's like the old flash thing. Yeah, the old that's red right. Eyes, yeah, that's right. but the front cover of the, on the GameCube box, at least, it's like mm-hmm. I think Donkey Kong's fist is bigger than his head. It's like it's the biggest thing on the box. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So it kind it's of perspective. Off... <laughs> yeah. It's because it's, it's closer to you. It's not because it's actually bigger. Wow, well, it's, it's nearly punched me in the face. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> they should have done a lenticular. Um, they kept the same cover basically for the Wii version. Uh, in PAL territories, yeah. there is identical pretty much apart from a slight shift around of assets. And I want to talk about the version differences. Now, this show is mainly focused on the GameCube version because it's what most of us have played more of. But I think this is interesting. I I find this stuff really interesting just to Mm. see what Nintendo thought they needed or wanted to do to this game after they'd kind of gone back to it and revisited it. Because some of the stuff seems incredibly trivial, but you, you know that there were meetings held about these things. So <laughs> the Wii version uses a combination of the Wii remote and the nunchuck instead of the, the DK bongos. And the bongos do not work with this version, which until I played this version, I always thought was bizarre. But the point is, it wouldn't actually really work because they've remixed so much of the content. Using both traditional controls and motion controls, as well as modes in the re- as well as different re- modes in the remake, there are a few changes to the gameplay. Health is no longer determined by the amount of beats brackets, bananas, but instead uses a more traditional heart and life system. Clap attacks are also directional as opposed to all around. That's according uh, to Wikipedia. Leanne, how many hearts does Donkey Kong have in the Weaver version? Three. Uh, that would have, I would have been the death of me on a couple of those uh, lava levels with the bongos. Mm. I, I really struggle. Yeah. And um, I forget which, I forget which tusk boss it was the final Tusk boss that I fought most recently. Like That still works on Bananas. Oh, it does. The okay. Final, the right, bosses. Good. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, but you, you can pick up hearts and there are checkpoints midway in some levels. So it's not it's not as, I wouldn't say, based on how as far as I've played, it's not as tough as, say, Donkey Kong Country Returns. Okay. Uh, if anything, in some ways it's actually easier because they've there's quite a lot more Bananas on every stage, I would say. So you can get to the end with higher scores. Anyway, the game supports uh, 16.9 widescreen, which the GameCube version doesn't, although you can stretch it. And I think it looks okay stretched. Obviously, it's not right, but you can on a modern TV. You have six save files instead of the original, which is one per memory card. Beats are now just called bananas because they're bananas. Uh, Bananas (laughs) have been added at various points. Uh, And as I say, I think generally that every level has been reworked with 
banana positionings and numbers, so it's quite comprehensive. Uh, stacks of logs have been added to various parts of levels. What's that for? Sorry. Yeah, it's to stop you kind of barreling along, I think, uh, mainly. Right. Hmm. Okay. Uh, it's it's to, yeah. I, I, like a momentum really check st- or something? Yeah, they really stood out when I first booted it up. Um, but yeah, bear in mind that you're using nunchuck in the traditional fashion right. and the A button to jump. It somehow just makes it feel a bit more like a, a standard platformer. Mm, right. The opening ceremony can no longer be selected once the player has completed it, which was a weird feature in the original anyway, because <laughs> it's almost non-interactive or barely interactive. Uh, during the opening ceremony, Donkey Kong may also save various helper monkeys trapped inside bubbles by using the sound wave attack. The mini panda is now a blue bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I, I, oh, that's the first one I understand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, helper monkeys are scattered around various points of the kingdoms to give the player advice, which are very much like the old, you know, the blocks in Super Mario World or, mm. or Yoshi's Island, where you get a little bit of text uh, telling you, kind of giving you some hints or whatever. The snow moles have been removed from Silver Snow Peak, replaced with unknown obstructions. <laughs> They're very weird creatures, but I would miss them anyway. Yeah. Several pits have been added to the course, and I came a cropper to one of those earlier, and that is a back to the start, my friend. Oh. Yeah. Enemy arrangement has been slightly altered, I would say more than slightly in some stages. Notably, Kamikami has been, uh, have been completely removed and replaced by the similar Kari Kari. Barrel cannons... So there are no barrel cannons in the GameCube version, hmm. but there are barrel cannons in the Wii version. They're used in place of launching plants. That makes sense. From oh, the original. Yeah. Yeah, it does yeah. make sense, yeah. Donkey Kong now wears a crown after defeating a boss. The oh, crown what? can also be worn during <laughs> gameplay after the player completes the game with all crests and crowns. No. Oh, man. Yeah, the yeah, king yeah, ascends yeah, to yeah. his throne. It's worth six quid. There are now 60 crests instead of 72. The Karate Kong battle is shown from a different angle while Donkey Kong is punching. Blooms give the player an extra life for collecting 100 of them instead of giving 100 beats. Bananas. Or bananas. <laughs> the colour of the interior of rock eggs is glowing purple rather than red, with purple smoke rather than black smoke. <laughs> this is like the Turok thing, isn't it? Where like a robot yeah. came out and squirted ink instead of blood. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it is it, is it just that to soften it slightly? Yeah, more? Yeah, that's maybe. how I read it, you know what I mean? Like a red egg with, you know... Smoke, yeah, it just seems odd with the red egg with the smoke coming out of it. When you read it in, like, like in pure text, it seems a bit more Nintendo-friendly with it being purple. Anyway, so, I, yeah, I just wanted to get across, and I'll probably refer to it some more, but the, the Wii version, I would say, is a mid-range reworking in that it's not just one or two tiny tweaks, mm-hmm. but it's not a complete rebuild either. It's definitely its own game while still being recognisably the same game, if you I, see what I mean. Like you said, I'd love to hear this meet, um, heard this meeting about yeah. the, the rock eggs. Right, guys, what do you think yeah. about these rock eggs? Uh, well, I think they're a bit too uh, gnarly. Should we change mm. it to purple? <laughs> well, let's do it after lunch. See you then. I, I definitely can get behind the mentality of why they'd re-release it on the Wii, though. I mean, it's it's kind of the same oh, yeah. thing with this, um, like, after the Wii exploded, almost like these Wii U games getting re-released on the Switch, just a whole new audience. And yeah. not to mention, even though the GameCube didn't obviously didn't sell nearly as well as the Wii, you were then, your audience was then even more narrowed down by the use of the Bongo peripheral. So, I mean, it's, it's, it seemed yeah. like it would be a slam dunk, but these changes are... I, I still, I'm still can't get over Minda, Mini Panda now being a blue bear. I, I, I might go, I might go spend the money to see what this looks like. <laughs> okay, yeah, I didn't even clock that to be honest. This was also the first Donkey Kong game since Donkey Kong for the Game Boy '94 not to feature Rare's Diddy Kong character. Mm-hmm. IMDb trivia. 
So all the aesthetic little changes aside, everything, all, all the other changes are pretty much to make it more like a traditional platformer. Yes. I've played this game when it, uh, before it came out because I was involved in the uh, online marketing for it at uh, Nintendo of Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Even on the website, I don't think it exists anymore, but the, the micro or a promotion site we did for it, I created the uh, the footage for the uh, combo tutorial videos on there of how to make uh, how to make combos. Oh, cool. Even then... My opinion hasn't really, really changed from what I played of the of the Wii version. I think it's kind of missing the point of the original game, in my uh, in my opinion. I totally understand that feeling, but having spent a couple of days playing it, I like it as much as I liked the GameCube version. It's just a different way of playing it, and the game's been remixed accordingly. Um, I can totally see why the reviews were similarly doled out scores wise. You know, they're both they both got within one percent of each other. I think that playing with the bongos for me is a lot of fun, but sometimes those the awkwardness of having it between your knees or the noise and stuff like that, there's still a really solid platformer in there for me that sometimes I just felt myself wanting to play in a more traditional style. And the Wii version is also way more accommodating for those of us who live surrounded by other people. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, get, I get that. But I think there are way, uh, way, way, for me, there are way better examples of traditional platformers yeah, I, I, the core level design hasn't really changed that much. I mean, the level layouts uh, is is what I mean. And I think they were never meant to be traversed with pushing a control stick. Well, I'd just say I think they've been I think they've been sufficiently tweaked. Um, but yeah, I I mean, all I can say is I enjoy them equally, just mm, albeit with a different enough. interface. Um, but let's talk about the the graphics uh, of the game. Focusing mainly, I mean, there's not there's not a lot of difference between the two versions, but going back to the GameCube version with its old uh, 4-3 aspect ratio, I remember at the time, well, I was still playing on a cathode ray tube, thinking that this game was another in a long line of delightful looking first party first party Nintendo games with, for the time, a very luxurious high end cutesy platformer graphics. Yeah, it, it wasn't until I revisited this recently that I really recognize how much inspiration retro took and doing the the and doing the donkey kong country returns games from yeah. this art style like there are some one-to-one characters that are taking even like the just kind of like the the goofiness of the hogs that kind of you that, that come at you and the, like the way the tusks look the way the um mm-hmm. the, the one that mikhail mentioned earlier the rolling frog whose tongue that you pull out like like that yeah. like th- those seem like they could have been directly pulled out of games that came 10 years later so it just shows you what a what an influential how influential the visual style of this game was on future things related to donkey kong because because having just recently replayed donkey kong country returns it felt like it's from the exact same universe so that's really cool to kind of see and yeah it still looks good even though on the lcd it doesn't look nearly as good as it did before but um at the time yeah, for sure i, I just it's a it's a it's a Donkey Kong game. It's just a visual current. I mean, the color palette. There's everything is just bonkers and fun and bright and mm. yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Especially after Donkey Kong are looking a little bit budget with his presentation. Like yeah. it yeah. definitely comes yep. out swinging. Especially like every time I put this game on, yeah, no, it's a good one. Uh, every time I put this game on, it it reminded me of playing. It it reminded me of of what people used to call arcade perfect games. This game to mm-hmm. me, I know it's not in the arcade, but it felt like I was actually playing an arcade game at home. Hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, gotcha. that, that was all down to like the the frame rate being super smooth, the massive Donkey Kong mm. in the bottom left corner, like 
for me, that was for the audience in the crowd, like watching me doing the moves of Donkey Kong. Apparently, yeah. the manual says take a closer look for Donkey Kong, and it'll give you hints as to find where uh, find extra bananas and stuff. But I didn't get that myself. So yeah, you've got you've got the plastic instrument on your lap. You've got the the super slick frame rate, which always reminds me of you know arcade perfect games. And then you've got this this luscious environment going on around you with this giant Donkey Kong in the corner. I just thought to myself, this game would have been perfect in the arcades. Do you know what I mean? It would have mm. been an absolute banger. And uh, yeah, and for me, like the visuals are just. Um, yeah. Yeah, just just brilliant. Like in terms of just the sheer ferocity of Donkey Kong and just absolutely annihilating anything in its path. I was in stitches, like uh, surprisingly so. Like playing this game this year, it's just like this game is just absolutely just nailing everything that I needed right now. And yeah, and the visuals definitely helped. Even though I don't think it was the best looking game on the GameCube because by this point we've had like um, Metroid Prime One and Two, and I know they're right. completely different aesthetic. And I, but I knew the GameCube could do better. Uh, but it didn't really bother me as like then and now. It's just kind of like, all right, let's just move on to the next thing. And even though I knew the GameCube could do a, a better, you know, version of a wildebeest, for example, it didn't matter because you were just having so much fun, just flying through the air and just listening to all the, the kind of the fanfare that goes on around it. So yeah, not the best looking GameCube game for me, but definitely didn't impact my enjoyment. It also benefits, I think, greatly from the fact that there is no story or narrative so that it can just swing wildly from a jungle to a snow peaked mountain to volcano, like. Every single level you get is just a it's it can completely switch up the visual style and it doesn't feel disjointed because it's already kind of its own unique thing. Mm. So it gives the opportunity what part of the narrative reading I gave you. Did you not understand? <laughs> I'm sorry. I said, could you read it again from the top, please? <laughs> no, they it just they it just allows them to be completely wacky. I think I said this in the Slack yeah. the other day. It's just like like every level it it was less designed of it, it, and I can't say how it was designed, but it fe- felt to me like it was less about let's create this you know this world where everything makes sense and more of just like all right this one we're gonna this is the central theme of it but how can we make it the most fun to get from a to b and that's like the the singular focus and it's just yeah it's just a joy and i think that comes out in the visual style too yeah i think also the fur rendering or the fur shading is spectacular Mm. in this game the the fur shading even uh outdoes star fox adventures on the gamecube it's uh it, it looks it looks even fuzzier and and uh, <laughs> more cuddly than uh, than the the first Breaks for furries, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like 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 those like those big hawks, you know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things in this visually and and audio as well that you can see were kind of uh, if not prototypes, things that they decide, the team uh, EAD Tokyo decided and and Koizumi decided to kind of repurpose for Super Mario Galaxy but uh, the fuzzy bee of course in Super Mario mm-hmm. Galaxy mm-hmm. definitely using the same tech that they developed for Kong and other fuzzy things in definitely this game. The, the time for fuzzy characters because Conquer Live and Reloaded also around about this time yes. kind of oh, definitely yeah, yeah. up the ante New with toy, the, yeah. Yeah, um, but in terms of like visual presentation just to add an extra little kind of plus onto this uh, the bit where you free willy into a giant piece of fruit I think it's a pineapple <laughs> I think at this point I literally jumped off my sofa with excitement because you fling Aww. up into the air on the back of this whale and you, you munch into this giant piece of fruit to finish the level. And it was just the perfect combination of just uh, the whole thing of that was just like, yes, just got off my chair. Just like the, the <laughs> whole slickness of it. Yeah, it just definitely made me more excited than um, I had been with a game for a long time. And so I would say, yes, playing this across uh, an overly large four uh, compared to the screens you would have had at the time, uh, an LCD, even the nice one, compared to a, a sensibly sized cathode ray tube, I think you do lose something. It looks a bit indistinct. Everything's a bit fuzzy. It doesn't quite have that same glow as a cathode ray tube. And, you know, Mikhail is absolutely an evangelist for playing games that were designed for the cathode ray tube on the cathode ray tube. 
what I would like them to do very much would be to basically remake both of these games, the Wii and the GameCube version, stick them on a single Switch cartridge and HD up the graphics to the level of Tropical Freeze. The Switch has uh, is compatible with the with the GameCube adapter for the Wii U, right? So exactly. Could, uh, exactly. Just connect the bongos to it. Precisely. So, yeah, I mean, that would be the dream because these graphics, I think, wouldn't... I mean, you know, obviously, it's easy for me to say I don't think they'd need a huge amount of work to still look really nice, but <laughs> they would need to be crisped up um, for modern modern screens. But, uh, Mikhail, you've been playing this on uh, a sensibly sized cathode ray tube and just from a, a sense of 2005 to 2020, how do you feel they hold up? Oh, very well. I mean, the the game was super slick and uh, and polished in its time. Uh, if you would compare it now to the Donkey Kong Country Returns and Tropical Freeze games, they look the the levels often look a little bit more sparse than that, not as lively. Yeah, I think yep. so. Yes, but uh, yeah, whatever what what is there it looks looks really great. And the thing about the thing that's always hard to explain to people when they haven't seen uh, anything being played on a CRT for a while is just, you know, seeing it, seeing older games in that light almost gives them sort of a timeless uh, sheen. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to explain unless you, you see it for yourself. It's like the games really have an age when you, when you view them through that lens, so to speak. Yeah, sure. And cartoony visuals tend to hold up better as Definitely. well. Definitely. I recently saw Paper Mario Thousand Year Door on a PVM and it was, <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I mentioned this mm. before, but like, I mentioned it again, like GameCube on, the, on a PVM monitor. It's yeah. just, oh, well, PVM monitor is a bit of a yeah. pointless phrase, but yeah, <laughs> it looked amazing. And I'm sure yes. this game would too. Not the most yeah. uh, handy or sustainable technology, but uh, yeah, if you want to be sucked into these older games, it's uh, for me, for me, it's, it's nice. the way to go. Uh, audio wise... So uh, the musician is Mahito Yokata. At this point, he'd mainly worked for Koei and on games like Kessen and Dynasty Tactics. Hmm. So this was a bit of a departure, to say the least, to to rock up and make a cutesy platformer Nintendo soundtrack and also one that is definitely influenced and even has a couple of pieces from David Wise's mm. and Evan- Evangeline mm-hmm. Fisher's musics from Donkey Kong Country. So I think they deserve their, their credit there. But generally what this makes me think of now is uh, there's a lot of sounds here and palettes which would definitely he would definitely repurpose in Super Mario Galaxy uh, along with Koji Kondo so it's more about his music i think there's there's all the grand orchestral stuff in Super Mario Galaxy but there's also a lot of uh, kind of the more synthesized chip tuney sta- sounding stuff and i i think that's his uh, his area i think for me some of the tunes here are more memorable than others there aren't there haven't been too many earworms from it but things um things sound like you know areas sound like they ought to so uh castle levels sound like castles and volcano levels sound like volcanoes and ice places sound like ice places <laughs> i've i was thinking about this yesterday evening as i was playing through and how when looking through the show notes i was thinking about the audio and the different songs and how there wasn't really anything i could think of like like hum a tune like i could from every other donkey mm. kong game i can think of and i realized that the main reason for that is because the number one soundtrack to this game for me is the slap of hand on bongo yeah. and clapping and then me swearing yeah, exactly. you know what i mean like when That's, i miss a yeah. combo so i think I can't obviously speculate it's a, how the comp- composition was was viewed, but I, I very rarely remember the music. I remember the sound effects a lot more 
than yes. that. But um, but yeah, I, I really just the soundtrack to this game is just me wailing on the plastic instrument. I 100% agree. Yeah. I only started appreciating the music when I started watching back bits of my own streams because then you could actually focus on it. Oh, this actually sounds quite good. And the great thing, the best thing about the music that is noticeable when you're playing, once you start racking up a high combo, you hear these voices and these claps from the little helper apes and, you know, go, 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 yeah, and you along. And, yep. and then they start going double time. Go, 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 go 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 when the tempo goes higher and higher when the combo <laughs> yeah. goes higher and uh, the music starts getting more instrumentation and everything that's just all you really need with this as darren said an arcade style game you know it that that's sort of like puts puts everything over the top and and drives you to do better and and create bigger combos and uh, and take it further and take it higher and push your limits yeah, absolutely. I think the the spot effects are tr- pretty tremendous. Yeah, uh, totally doing the the job that you need them to do exactly as you said. The sort of almost, almost unaware of the sort of pitch and tempo of of the sound effects rising as you do better, and but then it becomes the that it adds to that feeling that you don't want to lose it because you don't want the the sound to kind of dip back down lose lose the uh lose the backing track of increasing joy as it goes uh, as you progress through the levels yeah obviously this it, it is an audio medium the podcast but we only have our voices so it's hard to sort of get across a sound palette as right. such but uh, but i would say yeah this is a very appealing one uh it's not necessarily a game you'd want to play with uh, the sound off but Maybe I think was it you, Mikhail, was saying that you actually got some results with when you were paying less attention to the sound because or who was it? Somebody no, was, it was saying the completionist. Ah, oh, yeah. right. It wasn't me. That's it was the completionist. Oh, I, get, <laughs> I get you two muddled up all the time. Exactly. Yeah, they you, do look alike. <laughs> for those who don't know, there's a YouTuber who completes games, like even to to the extent beyond that we are able to do for this show, because uh, we don't. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's just too much to literally 100% everything for, for this show. But that's what he does on his YouTube channel. And this was one of the games he did. And yeah, he was saying that he was, because he was using the bongos, he was almost getting sucked into playing it rith- more rhythmically yeah, than right, he needed yeah. to, which was actually meaning that he was missing his taps yeah. and claps and whatever. That makes Interesting. sense. Yeah. He started tapping along with the music rather than actually what was going on in the level. So <laughs> uh, I think there probably is another game that could have been made. And certainly I think there are probably indie game examples of this where the kind of the platforming is actually tied like, in well, with like the rhythm. Bit Trip Runner and those kind of, uh, kind of sure. games. Yeah. 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 I immediately think of the Rayman uh, Legends uh, right, musical right. levels. Yeah. That kind of follow the soundtrack for sure. Yeah. So that that would would have been another approach, but a slightly different one. And and yeah. and again, I think now perhaps even more so, people could be forgiven for looking at this and thinking that's what this is, but it isn't. Mm. More about what it is. But I just wanted also to give a shout out because we haven't up to this point mentioned Takashi Nagasako, who is the voice of Donkey Kong in this game. So during the E3 demos of the game, Grant Kirkhope's voice samples from Donkey Kong sixty four were used for Donkey Kong, but in the final game, Takashi Nagasako voiced the character. This is the guy who up to this point had been voicing Ganondorf. Mm. Ooh, I didn't uh, know that. Uh, but that's since changed because one of the bosses in this game, Karate Kong, is voiced by Hironori Miyata, the current voice actor of Ganondorf. Takashi Nagasako, the voice actor of Donkey Kong, had previously voiced Ganondorf in Ocarina and Wind Waker. So there you go. But obviously it's a massive departure from uh, Ganondorf. But I just want to say, I think 
it's one of those things that it's I think it's easy to take for granted, but I actually think he does a great job of being a man making cartoon <laughs> ape noises. Because <laughs> I don't imagine it's very easy. No. Yeah. No, it must be, yeah. One of, uh, like, it sounds like a really simple job, right? Just to make Donkey Kong noises, but I, I couldn't sell it. Do you know what I mean? It's um, exactly, yeah, yeah. Really, the the whole kind of well, like I'm just thinking now, like all the Donkey Kong phrases that he says. You know, he pretty much just says Donkey Kong, right? And okay, but yeah, like um, ultimately, it really comes down to the vibe of the game, and yeah, it's it all the grunting a, and the howling and all yeah. the stuff and the beating and the yeah, really does a good job of fi- uh, fi- uh, fitting the vibe of the game, definitely. And I think he's kept the role since this game. So as I guess the most recent one would have been Smash. He's probably still doing it for Smash and uh, Tropical Freeze as well. Brazenhead89 from the forum says, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat is so utterly bananas, thank you very much, that I can't imagine ever parting ways with my GameCube and Bongo controllers because of it. The platforming controls, while bonkers, encourage exactly the sort of rhythm that the best platformers demand. Only now they're taken to a comically literal extent. Rapidly swapping between hand claps and bongo slaps and watching Kong leap obediently across psychedelic stages is at first disorienting, then later empowering. Hammering the bongos to give a stage boss a ruddy good pounding is so primitively fun and every one of Kong's movements is given a satisfyingly physical equivalent. The combo system is fun and can thankfully be ignored if you're playing for progress and not points. Yet skilled players can truly wring some awesome runs from it, leaping effortlessly from pillar to post and clocking up some awesome multipliers for their troubles. While a YouTube search proves that these can be exploited somewhat in order to farm for bananas, this is rarely the most fun way to play and still requires a level of skill that the most veterans have already mastered, so it doesn't detract too much from the fun. If you're going to play this, I'd advise staying away from the Wii remake. The Wii controls don't add anything and in fact are a lesser experience than playing with the DK bongos. You're left with a competent platformer that loses far too much in translation. That's what Brazenhead agrees with uh, Mikhail in that sense. So let's talk the gameplay. Getting around. Better with bongos? Well, we may have a difference of opinion on that. And we have, I guess, a couple of people who haven't tried it, Mm. but it was definitely the way the game was designed. There's no arguing with that. Uh, As I say, I think there are some issues with some people holding the bongos. And I mean, for some people, they'd probably they probably add an accessibility that a traditional controller doesn't have. But also there are noise issues, Mm -hmm. (laughs) things like that. So I I am very conscious when I'm playing a, a a, a music rhythm any pretty much any rhythm action game whether it's taiko or rock band that there is a lot of external noise and living in a, a small flat above somebody else and in a different room from a partner when i'm playing normally all these things are considerations but if you were taking all that out i mean i totally agree with what brazen saying about beating on the bongos in terms of the the fighting bits or the bits where you actually pummel enemies it really does add a level of kind of um, physicality that sort of brings the feeling home. If you slap left and right on the left and right bongo to move Kong left or right, just making him run through the stages, right? That's not an, a, a very precise uh, method of controlling your typical platformer. That's the bit I, la- I like less, yeah. But the thing is, these levels, in especially the, the GameCube original, are designed in as such that there is not a whole lot of dangerous pits and tiny platforms to traverse. Very true. So they're completely designed around this sort of lack of precision and just basic movement. 
So yeah, um, I think what you said is they added some more bits, right? Some more bits in the uh, in the Wii version. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that go- goes some way to accommodate for the increased precision you have all of a sudden. But yeah, I mean, it still <laughs> takes something away from the original, I think. The locomotion thing was one of the few negatives I, I have for this game, and it has nothing to do with once you get Donkey Kong actually up and moving. I think it's I think it's great, um, and it feels feels pretty good. I think it's I think the controls are honestly remarkably precise considering they're you know a left right bongo and then an, and then a microphone like mm-hmm. it really does. Yeah. It works better than than like if you explained that to me beforehand, I would have been like, "There's no way that's gonna feel right," and it does. It feels good. Um, but it reminds me of like when you when you're going on a on a bit of a run in Donkey Kong, you either take damage or you kind of come up to a wall that you just haven't you've missed time so you didn't get like the wall jump correct you have to kind of slide back down it reminds me of when sonic the hedgehog gets stuck at the bottom of like a ramp and you've got to like (laughs) you just like you've been going so fast and it's been going and everything's great and then you just hit this wall and just like you just kind of kind of go left a little bit to get him back far enough to go right some more to get enough momentum and when that happens like it just takes all the wind out of your sail so that's my that's and i think there's no there's no way to fix that because even in the donkey kong country games if you come up a jump where you have to go back like you're doing that but with a controller it's much easier to go back and regain that momentum and those would be the times where if i if i failed something like that maybe two twice or three times in a row or and then like lost the amount of bongos or uh excuse me bananas in the time that maybe moved me down a crest and i had to restart the whole level i would kind of like lose a little bit of the enthusiasm there but it's a small gripe but I, i i did notice it you know, at least a half a dozen times through my most recent playthrough that it would come to a point where it's just like, oh, I can't like can't really get him in the position I need to right now. And and a lot of that, I think, was contributable to the controls. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I think Darren was, uh, again, quite nailing it on the head that this is a um, arcade style game. Thing is, you know, a lot of time you arc- arcade games are actually designed to be played over and over and over and to become better at them. And I think a lot of this game, if you want to make a very smooth run through a level, it's a lot, a lot is just about learning the stage layout. The trick is more in, mm-hmm. in memorizing the stage layout than to become super pre- precise with, uh, with the controls. Uh, so, as, as I said, there's a lot of leeway. There's a, lo- a lot of huge windows. Even I think for wall jump, you stick, wall jump, you stick to the wall quite relatively long. So it's more about sort of finding yeah. the optimal route and and executing on that. Mikhail, I just have a quick question. Are you suggesting that I get good? <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. No, I just said no, it's just funny. No, I no, I think you're hundred percent right. And then you can actually feel that arcade feel in the uh, splash screens in between levels where it shows you like like it'll show you a section from the level you just played said hey next time try doing this and it shows like a little like a vignette of you know how to combo enemy so i noticed that um i I guess the first time through when i was in college like like after a few levels you got the impression like oh they really want me to go back and replay Mm. this level the quote-unquote right way or at least the most efficient way so i don't know i see that completely it just that was just kind of the 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 stalling absolutely have made a coin up of this there's a rhythm tengoku Mm -hmm. coin up which you yeah. can oh, yeah. play, yeah. and uh, and obviously Tycho. This would have made a perfect uh, a perfect coin up. What I wanted to say, talking about that replaying the levels and getting better at them and executing on a pattern, <laughs> is that um, this game weirdly, although it's obviously very Nintendo in a lot of its aesthetic and characters and stuff, reminds me of a couple of Sega games in its ethos, in its philosophies, and that's uh, Knights and Sonic. Uh, 
and almost it's almost got like a proto before the sort of mobile phone boom with free runners thinking like a Super Mario run. It's almost got that feel to it as well, because although it isn't a free running game, like it won't auto scroll and there's no time limit. Actually, you can you can stop in a section as long as you don't get hit. You don't lose that's, anything. That's what I had to do at times. Just slow down. Yeah. You know, visualize yeah, the sure. stage, visual, visualize the layout and just sort of plan things out and then go again. You don't have to rush through everything. The levels are almost uh, not quite bite-sized, but they're they're not massive. And they are, yeah, like Knight's levels, they are mostly designed for around, and some of them are very much designed around the idea that you can do the whole thing in yeah. one combo. Not all of them. Some of them will no. force you to lose your combo or stop, but some of them are. And those are the ones where you can go back and absolutely ramp up your beets or bananas score and get those... Uh, get those platinum crests in although every uh, i should i should emphasize every level can be platinumed because we know somebody who's done it <laughs> yeah the thing is i think uh, most worlds consist of one sort of tricky level that uh, you have to do in in parts that you can't combo all the way through and one level that's comboable all the way through or almost all the way through and so and the, the one that's that uh, that you can combo pretty much all the way through that's the one where you get your most beats and the other one is yeah. sort of more like, okay, add some extra. Don't try to lose too many here. And then you're you're golden. Or platinum, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah, the, when I say Sonic, I also mean in that sense that uh, a lot of the most the signature Sonic levels are about not losing your momentum, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how Sonic controls better and, and works better. Although I've always been somebody who plays those levels, clearing everything out and picking things off. A lot of people swear by the, you know, getting faster and and taking a you know dash dashing through and whatever um and again this game perhaps feels like brian said when you're walking slowly actually the before you've built up a, a momentum just controlling a platform character with a pair of bongos is unintuitive we're not used to it but once you get going it suddenly the control method makes more sense as as you as your path through the level is uh, as you work out what the developers intended your path through to let the level to be, I suppose. Yeah, you know, I think the whole locomotion thing fits in with this series this far uh, thus far, right? Because Donkey Kong Country one, two, and three are all about momentum and locomotion, and you know, just keeping up with the um, the the rolls and the swings of Donkey and Diddy Kong. I, I for me the the whole nature of this game and its movement i didn't have many problems with it at all it's only like when i said earlier when it comes down to the final movements that i kind of struggle but yeah no i it it felt just like another donkey Kong game to me and that it was just you know i I could have probably done with like a sonic's version of a drop dash every now and again because that was added to sonic to help them right so if they had put that in this game for the wii version you know who knows hindsight and all that but so, you know, it, it felt like, you know, Donkey Kong was back in my hands and, yeah, I had to just keep on making him run forward and, you know, do what he does to get to the end. And, um, yeah, it didn't really bother me, to be honest with you. Interesting. One thing, one of the things that I remember the reviews being slightly critical of at the time was the fact that it's a, quote, short game, which is, again, something that was often leveled at nights. It's a short game. Well, it's not really about just finishing it. It's about getting good at it or yeah. you know, learning yeah, how I to saw play it well. Multiple reviews comparing uh, comparing it to the Donkey Kong Country games, and this is just mm. a completely different beast. I think mm. maybe that's why they didn't put the country in the title, even though it may have helped. And why they didn't put copies. Kremlings in there or King K. Rule or anything remotely tied yeah. to the Donkey Kong Country games. The only thing that that it shares is uh, the protagonist. But what and- I wanted to say is, although it's quite, you can beat it in a relatively few number of hours. 
it's got like 16 worlds mm-hmm. with each with three levels in or each with two levels and a boss in mm. so i i certainly even though you can yeah you can you can get the credits roll after a relatively short amount of time like i don't know maybe six to eight hours something yeah like something that. like that i think hl how long to beat i think had it around five i think yeah, yeah i was gonna say probably about five yeah but obviously replay value is a huge part of it but I never felt I wouldn't. I obviously I I bought this at the time with the bongos paid whatever thirty forty fifty quid for it. I would never have felt short changed because there's well a because I was thoroughly entertained, but b because there's a lot of there's a lot of different types of level. Like the the levels have got a lot of visual and gameplay mm. variety, despite the the core obviously being the same from level to level. It, and it rarely wastes your time. I think it's so condensed and packed full of variety that when you come out after five hours, you feel, I, I felt satisfied. I was just like, yes, I actually felt mm. a bit gutted. I was like, oh, what's what, some more? What's some mm. more? It is fun. And then it did have some more levels afterwards, which I yes. was loving. But no, I, you know, I, I beat the final boss for the first time this year. And I was just like, oh, that was such a, a mm. great short burst of action. Like, and you know, uh, if I had the kind of the unlimited means to, you know, whip the bongos out again. I would, I would definitely do that because, uh, but yeah, they do make a lot of noise, like you say. And I, I do <laughs> yeah. have a small children, well, a small child in the house. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's probably best not for me to just to keep revisiting the bongos for months and months on end. But I could definitely see myself returning to it at some point. The game is generally better played in short bursts anyway, because I had noticed that my format of two hour streams was, uh, you know, getting me a little bit worked up and exhausted yeah. uh, over the course. I could have, uh, I could have done with just playing for one hour and then letting it rest and then picking it up the, the week afterwards again. Surprisingly, both versions are a bit of an upper body workout because on the Wii version, you do a lot of drumming, as in nunchuck yeah. and Wiimote. Uh, and so similarly, you end up, you know, waggling, doing a lot of of uh, left and right arm waggling. So yeah, it's, you can get a bit hot and sweaty <sighs> playing either version. Uh, neither is a a, a completely sedentary yeah. experience. I, I would find that after mm. my experience playing it, just because that many claps and slaps against the side of the bongo, my my palms would well. tingle. For, <laughs> yeah, yes, <sir>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. They would. Uh, they would. My hands would be tingling for. I mean, a good half an hour after playing, and it was one of those things that I would just kind of laugh to myself. My wife would be like, "What's going on?" I'm like, um, you know, my hands are tingling from playing yeah. the plastic bongos. <laughs> so yeah, caught, caught red-handed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to slap or to clap no, is <laughs> is one of the big questions about Donkey Kong. Jungle Beat, so it encourages you to clap, the, as did Donkey Konga, but a lot of people found it quicker to slap the side. You can adjust mm. the microphone sensor, although by default this game's got an automatic detector, uh, which Donkey Konga games didn't have, but you can tweak it so that it's either hypersensitive or less sensitive. But uh, I... I know, again, Mikhail, like with the cathode ray tube, he's also a slapping purist. And, um, <laughs> yeah, just just let it be known that I'm only I'm only a purist to myself, right? I don't I don't I'm not a fundamentalist. I don't want people to I don't want to convert <laughs> sure. people into my sure. ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not a dictator, a slap dictator, slap exactly. fascist. No, but. Uh, but I also I did take it on board, and so when I have played the GameCube version with uh, in for this show, I I did uh, I did try to adapt to clapping instead of slapping, and I do find it overall slightly more reliable. It does, and there is a certain fun to it that you don't get from slapping the side of the bongos, mm-hmm. but it also makes you feel a bit more well. This will be entirely subjective. Makes me feel slightly more self-conscious. Mm. I feel like I have to like admit something now. Is I feel like I played this game with a with a 
a bit of a, a cheat mechanism um, in oh, yeah. the wedding ring I have on my left hand because ah. if you just tap that thing against a plastic bundle, it makes a really satisfying and loud clack. Mm. So my clapping and slapping was was much less than it was when I was younger because I could really just kind of tap against the side of the bongo with my ring finger and it, it really it really for whatever reason that frequency and noise. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. was a, a tool assisted non speed run that I was doing. But yeah, <laughs> definitely no, on the list of benefits for being married, isn't it? So like, well, <laughs> yeah. well, what are the benefits yeah. of being married in the, in the modern day? Yeah. Well, you're really good at yeah. Donkey Kong. Yeah, exactly. uh, tax breaks. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you? What did? Dare we ask what you slapped your bongos with? Darren, <laughs> it was just a gentle tap on the side, not to wake my child. Mm. Yes, not with your child. <laughs> you didn't get Ivy in to just do the clapping for you. No, definitely not. No, that would be a disaster. We tried with Conga, and it was a it was a massive failure. So, um, yeah, banned from the bongos ever since. She hasn't got the discipline or the rhythm. <laughs> Total failure. Oh my god. <laughs> the mic thing the, and the, the the slapping or clapping or the tapping whatever you want to do is kind of a tricky thing anyway i think mine i hadn't really remembered that you could adjust the sensitivity i think mine were set too sensitive on my recent run so for example when you want to hold your combo and you're in one of those bubbles you shouldn't clap right because then you oh. pop out of the bubble no. and you drop on the mm. on the floor so what i felt like it would even because i'm t- uh, talking while streaming right i'm talking to the chat it would even just register my voice as a clap sometimes. So I yeah, had to yeah. really st- very speak very softly in a hushed tone or just shut up completely in order for that bubble not to burst. One other curious feature of the original version that was removed from the Wii version is in certain... I, I couldn't even work out. It just is certain bits of certain levels. Maybe it's when the screen is quite zoomed out. I'm not sure. Yeah. There's a giant zoomed in version of your character in the bottom left hand corner of the screen. This serves absolutely no purpose that I could ascertain whatsoever. <laughs> Is there any use to this well, other like than... Well, I said earlier, it says in the manual, it literally says, keep an eye on him because he'll give you hints as to find extra bananas. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, well, really? Well, yeah, but the game's moving at such a clip that you can't keep your eye on that. What you hints? Know what I, mean? I don't know. Maybe yeah. he's like gesturing with his fingers as a banana over there, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be helpful. Is nah. there a lot of... I, I was trying to think about this too when reading about it. The Is there a lot of dead space at the bottom of the screen that I just don't realize because that's there and the bongos on the right? Like, were they afraid that they're, it was going to feel empty without it? Like, I, I don't remember there being a lot maybe? of dead space, but I guess I just... I don't know. I think I think it's more of a matter of showing off the detail on the character model because he's and on the fuss yeah. because he is very detailed. But most of the time you'll be completely zoomed out when uh, when playing through it's the true. game. And I don't yeah. buy it that he actually shows you secrets because I've watched lots no. of footage back and he's just mimicking the exact movement of the, the the zoomed out character on the screen. If you watch him very carefully, you might just make some surprising discoveries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got fleas he's got fleas <laughs> <laughs> but uh but i'm not bothered with it and i think it's quite charming in its own way it doesn't get in the way of things so i'm totally cool with no, uh, no. the big kong in the you corner can, you can phase it out it, it becomes part me of, of your playing games vision. on the spectrum and amstrad like in th- a part of the screen is just massive and like overwhelming but in this case it doesn't overwhelm the, the player at all but it just reminded me of like yeah I don't know, like a game like dizzy or something like the, the bottom third of a screen would just be completely just chunked oh, a huge just, status yeah, panel uh, that's it yeah and yeah I did used to sometimes do the thing of having a sort of a picture of the character in status panels yeah. because the graphics of the game would be obviously quite basic and indistinct in 8-bit. So there is there is something to that. Most useless thing but, in those older games was that they just would have a uh, logo of the, of the game's title on screen all the time right. in, in a bar. Yeah. Well, 
yeah, anything to fill the space where they couldn't have the game running because the processor was too <laughs> too slow. Um, but yes, they removed the big Kong in the corner from the Wii version, and it's not missed, to be honest. I, well, I, I didn't miss it. Anyway. Helper monkeys are, I think, very cute sometimes, as well as they grab you and throw you if you clap at them. Uh, around the levels in in a very in a style which reminds me of what game is it reminds me of being flung about various platform levels in various other games uh, there's also bits where they're just standing there playing their instruments uh, which is very cute uh, more in the Wii version they actually they're holding Wii remotes and stuff and showing oh, you what to do fine. next yeah and there's some other helper characters which is a obviously a, a standard Donkey Kong thing from country onwards in this case we've got the Wildebeest, who is either called Hoofer or Mushin, depending where you read it, and the killer whale, Orko or Shachi. They're always uh, Mushin and Shachi to me because that's what was in the GameCube Those manual. Those are much better names. Yeah. So it, I guess there's, it, I mean, it may, might be not even worth mentioning, but there's also the other characters that you can ride. There's that one kind of angler fish you have to beat before you ride him around for a while. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to clap the the rocks back at him and then eventually instead of when you when you go up closer yeah. you think you're gonna get that zoom in animation but you end up riding him through the remainder of the level i can't I, i'm not sure if he, he i'm sure he has some character name i can't remember but probably but then, yeah but and he's the, yeah. he's not your helper he's your inadvertent steed that you just yeah take it's, through the it's, end. Yeah. it's called a, a tarfish or something like that okay yeah <laughs> heli birds as well yeah oh yeah that's right yeah and then that weird uh parachute squirrel which parachute oh, yeah. squirrel? Yeah, I don't think that's his canonical <laughs> name. No, in the uh, in the GameCube manual, he's called Resar. Okay, well, that's way less yeah. interesting than parachute squirrel. Why? Uh, why is it that Donkey Kong's animal friends are so much less naff than Sonic? <laughs> Le- less naff, so they're they're better than Sonic. I think they're less naff. I mean, that's just my opinion, and I and I like Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh well, okay. I like the Mega Drive games of Sonic the Hedgehog. As as the American on the show, I will just blindly agree with less naff while knowing not a word about what it actually means. <laughs> less less, uh, less lame, it? maybe less lame, okay. less corny, yeah. less cheesy. Got yeah, n- lame. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, I did want again just to address the the controls a bit more. Both both sets of controls. The amount of times I've had conversations with people, I've said it many times on podcasts both about the game itself and outside super mario galaxy for me is one of my absolute favorite games of all time i think it's just stunning a work of genius but a lot of people i know have said they couldn't get on with it because of the controls because it uses a wiimote and a nunchuck and to some people that is a huge barrier the fact that it's not a standard controller so here we've got a game where either you can play it with a wiimote and a nunchuck which is not a standard controller, or you can play it with a pair of bongos, which is most definitely not a standard controller. The game's designed originally for the first for the bongos, then readapted for the Wiimote and Nunchuck. I think this game, obviously, it's a tough sell. We have an enthusiast audience, some of some of which will have a GameCube or a Wii or a Wii U and a way to play it. But I think it's still, even though I think we're all going to be positive about this game as a as a action platform game. It's still a tough sell just because you can't just play it with a controller. You can well, play the GameCube can. Uh, uh, yeah. version with a controller, but it's... Oh, it, sorry, no, that's true. But it, mimic, it mimics the bongo controls on the GameCube yeah. controller. Yeah. It's, not, yeah. it's not advised. It's, yeah. uh, that was exactly the right point to mention that because it's so weird mm. that <laughs> I'd, almost, I'd almost kind of ruled it out. I did try it uh, on, this, on this playthrough. And yes, so... 
to explain, yeah, if you imagine playing with the bongos, which I guess you've already been doing, listener, if you haven't played the game, is tapping repeatedly on the left drum to go left and repeatedly on the right drum to go right. This is how you control Donkey Kong with a GameCube pad. So you tap left to start going left and keep tapping it to go left. It's like um, Pac-Land when you jump yeah, in Pac-Land. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, which is also makes an appearance when you do the big jump on the wildebeest. So there's a kind of there's a sort of ski jump a couple of times where you you're trying to get a sort of Olympic record of flying through the air on the back of so a wildebeest so to fun. keep it going. Like in yeah, and like in Pac Man, Pac Land, sorry, 1984 Namco game. When you do a big jump, you have to tap 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 the direction you're going to keep in the air. But again, yeah, I'm just coming back to the idea that I know that a lot of people listening to this who might be fans of a cute platformer and they'd be interested in this but for the fact that either way you're going to play it and yes let's even rule out the gamecube controller because Mm. it's just confusing that you're playing (laughs) with a standard controller but not with standard controls if you see what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. i don't like you see what i'm getting at it's just it's a barrier yeah i think that's actually uh i mean but i'm not definitely not the standard but for me that's actually the selling point that it is so different The fact that it is so different, that it isn't a standard experience, which there's countless of those types of standard experiences you can have. But there's only one Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. And when I was saying that uh, it's not its its own beast compared to Donkey Kong Country, this isn't the whole thing about this game. This isn't a platformer where you go from A to B. It's more about what you do in the levels uh, before when you you get there. So... Mm. The the yeah I mean the the fact that you that it's very hard to actually die to run out of bananas in the GameCube version yes. yeah. should showed me already from the beginning when I played it in two thousand five this game is not about survival it's about scoring mm. and that's why right. I completely got on board uh, with it from day one and then this uh, bongo control method driving the scoring system making it almost like a sort of a Tony Hawk. Uh, take on on yeah, 2D right. platforming. Mm-hmm. It's so unique, and I feel like I'm already uh, wrapping up my <laughs> my conclusion here. <laughs> but it's so unique, and it's so different, and that is exactly the selling point for me. Yeah, you know, and Donkey Kong's always been the series, really, to kind of go off on these wild tangents. There's, there's enough Donkey Kong games out there that even I haven't played that are just like kind of, I guess, experiments that they wouldn't have taken the risk with, you know, with a Mario game, for example. Mm. Yeah, think- it felt it felt right to me. And it's also like that, but I think that also serves the point that Leanne was making too, that because it's its own unique, it's own so different than everything mm. else, it's it's for it's sure going to attract a less than mainstream audience. It's going to attract maybe more of the, you know, the novelty or the, or the, the pre- people interested in the curiosity of it. And I think for, I mean, the majority of people that I know that have played this game, which is not a ton of people, I, I don't know any of them that don't have anything but glowing things to say about it. So right. um, it clearly was a successful one of those, but it's just never going to sell or at least appeal broadly to that level because because the reality is a lot of people do just kind of want the same thing rehashed kind of over and over again. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting to see how the people you see kind of drawn to it because because now because hearing Mikhail talk, Mikhail talk about it with with such um you know with such like like almost emotion with like how it made him feel about like this unique experience. Like you kind of want to be able to. For me, that's what I want video games to do every time. Like I want that yeah. feeling distilled. You know, every time I pick up a game, I want it to be this new unique thing. But it just it it also serves as a reminder that a lot of people do just kind of want another 
you know, another platformer or another sports mm-hmm. title or, or whatever it may be that yeah, they like. So the same. it's an interesting exactly. perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Let's talk a bit more about uh, our journeys through the game in terms of, uh, particularly from Mikhail, who pr- probably has done more to ace the game than the rest of us, although we'd all have, have our experiences of trying to uh, do a bit better on, an, on a particular level. Sometimes we may have even, if not failed out, at least ended up with a score that we were just not happy enough to stick with. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you're... Mikhail, tell us, talk us a bit through your streaming journey and how the, what sort of uh, peaks and troughs you went through and which bits, yeah, which, what were your sort of highlights and lowlights of playing through all the many levels of, uh, of Donkey Kong Jungle Beat? I was sort of going into this streaming series thinking, okay, you know, I've played this game quite a bit in 2005, uh, maybe 2006, and I'm going to just show people what it's all about, just play through all the world, worlds uh, one more time. And mm-hmm. then I decided, let's try and wring a little bit more out of this. Let's get some more crests. crests. And that started happening, happening quite quickly, actually. At one point, I got that platinum crest. And that sort of opened it up for me. I, I've had a little bit throughout playing this game on the, on the stream. I've had a little bit of a rocky relationship with it in the sense that I wasn't quite sure where to end this <laughs> series of streams, you know, like... Uh, because yeah, you can yeah. keep on ringing more and more out of it. But I was also conscious of the fact that, you know, me replaying those stages over and over and over again is just not going to be exi- exciting to viewers at, uh, at some point. Mm. Playing these stages extensively, going back to them has sort of um, made me become more analytical of them and see where, you know, how they were laid out, how they were designed, how, how varied uh, or how there are certain stage stage types of some some that are definitely sort of meant to coast through in one single combo some of some of them like i was saying before already are more like hindrances and you know you can definitely optimize them and make little uh optimal combos in there but they're yeah they're not they're they're a different uh different kind of kind of stage the bosses you'll I'll, uh, you'll probably note as well are not an opportunity to score more beats but they're basically no. mm-hmm. uh they're punishing you for every little mistake they're taking away from your score so you want this is another way in which it very much reminded me of sega's knights because mm. the whole point with the bosses in knights is you get a multiplier of the score you've got up to that point and the slower you kill that boss the more your multiplier takes a hit. So hmm. you start off with two point naught, so you can double your score. And then as you as the time ticks down, you can end up with, with as low as like 1.1 or whatever. Yeah. And there's also, there's a very limited number of bosses. And this game is similar in the fact that there's actually only, uh, was it four main different kinds of boss? Pretty much, yeah. Kong, Rock, Hog and Tusk. And they are remixed multiple times with different sort of layouts and platforms, but effectively, and and with smaller windows of opportunity, but effectively you're kind of learning the ropes of each of these four bosses. But I think each of them appears four times. That sounds right, pretty much. Yeah, Yeah. no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's what you say. Um, You sort of start learning the boss types, but then they throw little curveballs. You know, they, they start having extra attacks or they do things a little bit different from the previous same boss type. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't rule it out that uh, this sort of uh, setup is inspired by uh, Sega's Knights, actually. Yeah, there's, I think there are some similarities. Uh, 
Darren, you mentioned one of your highlights being the sort of the joyful leap out of the water and grabbing onto the fruit. Mm. We should say, again, if you haven't seen or played this game, you finish every level by grabbing onto a giant fruit and then <laughs> you do one last input to uh, bite into it. Yeah, and then it, doesn't he? He just sinks into it, man. Yeah. It's, it's so joyful. Yeah, and for me, this journey of, you know, of playing this game in in this year, um, it was it was just this game was a comedy game for me and games that make me laugh like I'm hooked because that rarely happens and uh, yeah for me I was I was trying to see what happens next in this game it's just like okay Donkey Kong has pulled a tongue off a, a fish or a frog or something <laughs> and he's leapt in the air off the back of a whale yeah. and um, or, or he's doing like um like a, um, a bicycle kick with watermelons to re- reflect them back at bosses like mini boss fights and stuff like that just stuff like that was just completely unexpected and yeah when i realized that you could like <laughs> the later world that i unlocked with sort of this the space uh stage that looks yeah. so much like the the you know the the seats for uh for super mario galaxy right there prototype yeah. pretty much yeah. yeah yeah obviously you haven't got the 3d gravity upside down yeah. so much here but that said there are some sort of slightly more out there outre levels like uh like you mentioned the jelly cubes mm-hmm floating in the sky where, where you suddenly go from all these obviously we've said the game is just cartoony fun yeah pretty family friendly stuff and, it, and it's all but it's it's grounded in the sense that it's in a jungle or in a cave or yeah you know in uh, by the beach <laughs> but then suddenly you're swimming in these completely yeah totally nonsensical surreal and yeah. And, th- you know, these are some of my favorite aspects about mm. Nintendo games yeah. generally, like Mario's lands being this these surreal places. It's a it's a sudden, but it feels like, OK, well, we the only way we can make the level that we want to make is to go all out bonkers yeah. here. You, you could see that these people were go- uh, moving on to make Super Mario Galaxy because you see this kind of similar unhinged. Uh, imagination yeah. uh, back in this game like not t- not tied down by any kind of rules or consistency and it's a, another yeah. big contrast with the Donkey Kong Country games I mean they're con- cartoony they feature all kinds of uh, nonsensical creatures but there is an there's an internal consistency there and there's a consistent world that they're they're yeah. laying out for you and yeah I mean the team that made Tokyo EAD the, the team that made Donkey Kong Jungle Beats really doesn't care about all that. No. Maybe more of the, the weird disparate ele- uh, elements that sort of, you know, are, that really stick out are, for example, also those metallic Chinese dragon heads that suck you in. Um, yeah, where where, again, where does that come from? So, they remind me of Sonic. So <laughs> yeah, going the, into the pipes. In, there is definitely a Sonic influence or, you know, yeah. similarities there. Yeah, for mm. sure. And then you got these uh, tar, tar creatures, the tar men and the tar fish that spit out this... Purple balls of energy. It's, there's so much weird stuff in here. The little yeah. ninjury ones that I couldn't get my head around. They, they were definitely <laughs> beating me up more than I could fight back. I, I, it was the first time in the game where I actually felt a bit kind of underpowered or not prepared. Yeah. I didn't know how to beat them at all. I just legged it as fast as I could. And uh, yeah, I didn't know if you could get any beats or bananas out of them by defeating them. Mm. Was, it, was there a way of doing which, that? Uh, was... which, which creatures were those? Are they called the ninja apes or like, they're like oh, little ninja type yeah, creatures? Yeah. yeah, the little ninja chimps, right? You, yeah, you, it's you can inconsistent as to whether they would pop on a second clap or not. No, what yeah. what happens is they the ones with the swords when they jump up in the air and yeah. their lightning strikes the sword, they can come crashing down on you and hurt you bad, right? So what yeah. you need to do is clap them exactly when their lightning hits their sword, and then they get electrocuted themselves. Oh. Yeah, it was huh. that and a few lava stages that kind of frustrated me a little bit, yeah. but yeah. N- but not enough for me to put the game down. I always just kind of you know, barreled on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah there's a end. few bits where you get 
kind of if you can get a relatively long way across say a sea of lava and then if you muck up towards the end because of the nature of the game uh, like if it was mario you'd just die in the lava or I suppose if it was Mario 64, you'd bounce up and down yeah. on fire and you could maybe land back on the platform. Maybe they could have done something like that. But every time you take a hit, you lose bananas or health in the Wii version. And so it 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 gives you, it punishes you one hit's worth, whichever version you're playing, but then puts you back at the start of the section. You just, yeah. you just failed. And it's never miles and miles, but sometimes it's slightly longer than you want it to be. You know, and you get you get a funny like is it like a choo choo kind of choo noise because he's on fire and he's angry yes. and he's yeah. steaming around and that soon and like, if you don't the if fire you, out yeah exactly if you don't drum it out <laughs> you will you will lose more uh, more beats in the GameCube version ah right okay I didn't know that it was yeah kind of... beat beat your bum out <laughs> with the bongos yeah there's a lot of uh, amusing use of uh, steam locomotive engine noises uh, in this game whenever the bosses get angry as well they do that kind of mad steam whistle mm. uh, to indicate yeah. that they're on <laughs> they're on second phase of attack kind of thing so lowlights and and highlights of uh, this mm. of, yeah. of playing this game as well i think it all boils down in the end to the combo system and there are two ways to lose a combo one is to touch the floor which is a cash in moment so sometimes it's the safest way to to do it because you cash in all the beats that you've built up until that point mm-hmm. with every combo increase multiplying your the bananas that you grab which then I are was not gonna bananas ask you, anymore, what are the, but beats have you ever actually worked out the maths on the combo multiplier because i've never yeah. i've not really got my head around it uh grabbing a banana gives you one banana right mm. clap yes. grabbing a banana gives you gives you two bananas so that's already uh-huh. du- doubles your regular uh, beat count. If <laughs> yeah. every combo increase multiplies your uh, banana grabs further into f- further beats. So if you so got if it's combo, a combo four, you get four times. Four times exactly, and if you combo oh, okay. four and clap right. grab the bananas, you've got eight uh, eight beats basically. Okay. Uh, so if you you can do work it out if you have a combo of eighteen going on through full stage and every single banana you clap grab, that yes. really adds on. Yeah. Right. So the the thing okay. is, uh, when you there's another way to lose your combo, and that's by getting hit by something, and that's the real heartbreaker because that means you actually lose all the beats you've been counting up, uh, tallying up in your combo up until that point. You're yes. You're basically back to zero if you or, or to to the point where you started your combo. Yeah. So sometimes it's worth just touching the ground and catching in. Touching down. In. Yeah. Catch, catching in your in your beats before you continue the combo. So this final yeah. the final stream that I did, I was doing trying to do in a very tricky stage the uh, cloudy heights. I was trying to do a full stage combo in there, and it got so tense. And every time something went wrong, it was so anger inducing and uh, so so frustrating and uh, such a heartbreaker. But then when you really get it get it done, there's that incredible sense of reward and uh, and relief when yes. you, when it when it works out talking about no more spiro's experience i certainly had this with the games i've got really gotten really good at of this nature where they are about the the comboing where you get beyond the point you've you've cleared the game then you get into that sort of that really fun stage where you've beaten the game so you've got that kind of confidence and that that uh, comfortable relationship with it but then you start getting into the the executing better sort of uh, field of play that as you say for long periods that can be hugely rewarding but also that's where it's yeah it's like if you watch a speed runner video and they they mess up on a bit and you know the kind of the whole runs for nothing it's that sort of level of 
it, it, it can become um, when you're getting to the end of that, because you've only got so much more margin for improvement. It also means that the margin for error is yeah. is massively increased as well. You can't afford if you if you've cleared a stage with with almost one combo, but then messed up. You, the you, only place yeah, you, you can get, get stung by one is, little wasp, wasp at the end and you lose everything exactly, you've done yeah. so far. Yeah, that's such a heartbreaker. So, yeah, the e- emotional investment <laughs> into that mm. silly little playthrough banging your bongos gets ridiculous at some point yeah and i suppose the the thing is uh, some some people have that desire to perfect games as as far as they can and better themselves at the game to get to that point some people are happy to walk away and leave it at some point in between and everyone's different mm. obviously obviously you've got to a point where you were kind of very happy with the place you got i'm going to be walking away from this at a point where i definitely like to play it more as i say mm. both versions to get better at all of the levels because I think it's also a game that I could go back to and pick up fairly quickly again at. That surprised me because I hadn't played it for such yeah, a long time and I started exactly. be- beating old scores right out the gate. Because the fundamentals are quite straightforward, yeah. right? So it's more about learning the behavior of the enemies and the layouts of the levels yeah. uh, and where to execute. Maybe also good to point out that the uh, multiplier gets increased by certain specific actions like hopping off uh, a ledge or doing mm. a backflip, or wall jumping, or grabbing onto certain uh, certain objects like the dandelions or the or, or yeah. the swinging vines. Uh, yeah, they're, they're very specific. That parkour thing going on, but also yeah. it doesn't reward you if you keep doing the same move over and over no, again. No, right, yeah. no, exactly. I also wanted to talk about the final bosses for the regular game for the mortals and humans. The last two bosses I had a inverse difficulty curve with. So Sumo Kong is the penultimate boss yeah. of the, uh, before the first credit roll. Sumo Kong, I've only played once, but took a lot of beats off me. The Cactus King is the regular final boss, right? Yeah. And yeah. I got a gold on that first time. I'd hardly took a hit. Yeah. Yeah, if at all. Me too. Yeah, yeah, it seemed a bit. Um, yeah, the windows of opportunity on that seemed greater than the, yeah, the, the boss previous. Yeah, it was, it's me. And yeah. You can really go on the offensive there. You don't really need to wait for him to do anything to counter it. So That's you why, can do yeah. what I would would do: would just run up and wall jump, and then land almost on top of him, and then yeah, usually yes. get a couple of good good hits in, and then knock him down, and then jump on top of mm. him and start pummeling him. I mean, don't get me wrong; I'm always happy for a a not overly frustrating final boss oh me too definitely um but i appreciated the even though they repeated in varying difficulties i did appreciate the the variety in the bosses because you got the kind of the punch out against the yep. kong yeah you've got the the hogs in which it's um you know, like i say it's like a but you know it's a re, it's a return fire kind of thing they throw something at you and you, you launch it back at them mm. and you've got the bird which reminds me of something out of wind waker like dragon yes. island kind of totally, thing yeah. it definitely had that vibe going i was going to say those puffs of smoke also that you yeah. see throughout the game are very wind waker like I yeah. felt at the time, yeah. And then you got the tusks who you, you launch like pineapples out of their trunks and stuff like that. It was yeah, it's a little it bit a horrifying good, um... when their chest, their their heart comes out of their chest, <laughs> and you start launching pineapple <laughs> launch... grenades into them, yeah. right? Yeah, it's yeah. quite cruel, especially the GameCube version where you've got no justification no. for it. Canonically. I mean, they kind of look <laughs> mechanical, so I guess. But they, they, yeah. then they have an organic-looking heart. What, what's going on there? <laughs> it's so a mix of emotions. Yeah. There's another boss after Cactus King called the Ghastly King. Is that harder? 
Uh, for me, it was it felt very much the same. Maybe he was a little bit trickier to nail down with uh, with with some uh, attacks, but I was pretty much steamrolling him when I got to him. Okay, yeah. and you the, get the another... run the run up to it, it was a little bit annoying to to get to where he was. Okay, and you get another credit roll after the Ghastly yeah, King. Exactly, where right. all the okay. uh, all all the the other Kongs you've beaten uh, sort of walk around in the background and they follow you to your spot and they sort of cheer you on begrudgingly. Okay. Yeah. So in the Wii version, there's the whole extra Kong of the Mountain boss rush type affair where you refight Dread, Karate, Ninja, Sumo and Ghastly. So Cactus, mm. Cactus King is not in the Wii version? Cactus uh, King is, yeah, but Ghastly... No, Ghastly is as well, yeah. Uh, and there's also an extra Wii level called Banana Banquet, which I haven't seen, so I can't comment on. But what do you get once... What's, is, what's the kind of... Extra. What what did your efforts get you, Mikhail, uh, for going beyond the basic crests and completion? The cool, uh, some cool levels we talked about because Darren got the jungle beat extra area with all the the fruit in the sky. Yeah, forty one uh, crests unlocks the chili kingdom. Uh, ah. Or no, not the chili kingdom. The one where you fight Sumo Kong at the end. Starfruit. Yeah, Starfruit kingdom. Star That's fruit. the one. Yeah. Yes. And then fifty one gets you the boss fight against Ghastly King and a new credit roll. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much its own reward. Um, no More Sparrows told me that when you get all 72 crests in the game, you un- unlock a new uh, song for the menu, which is uh, a nice song, but uh, seems, but seems, no seems crown, a bit slight. So I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to say that just getting it is its own reward. <laughs> you know, it's like the orange um, change of title screen in Mario Kart 64, mm. if you were to do that. It's, you know, something it's to be proud of. But yeah, something to be proud of when you take it around your mate's house and you yep. put it in. It's like, wow, absolutely, yeah, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing it on this thing. No. Uh, oh, here he is. No more Spiros from the forum. Perhaps the greatest irony of Donkey Kong Jungle Beat is that the most difficult task of all would be to sell the game on those who grew up with or otherwise appreciated the Donkey Kong Country games. Eleven years after the release of the original game in the series, the way DK moves is almost antithetical to his first foray into the platforming genre. Rather than a certain heaviness that comes from controlling a gorilla, there's an emphasis on aerial movement that gives him a floatiness that feels almost alien. Gone are familiar standbys like Rambi the Rhinoceros and Ongard the Swordfish, replaced instead by the likes of Hoofer the Wildebeest and Orko the Orca. Whether it be from a sense of nostalgia or the lack of the term animal buddy, pedantically they are jungle buddies, there is definitely a reason why some fans would prefer to play with their old favourites and why we haven't seen Hoofer or Orko since. It's not surprising that Nintendo would want to try something new given their shaky relationship with Rare, but when the DKC trilogy was being played by a brand new audience on the Game Boy Advance around the same time, it felt like a step in the wrong direction. It's a very good game, but maybe one that was a little too invested in its uniqueness. And that's from the man that got 72 crests? Yeah. Sounds bitter and jaded. Yeah, sound. <laughs> is, that an, is that enough? Yeah, <laughs> uh, a little bit of legacy for Jungle Beat, although we've seen nothing since the the Wii game, apart from its re-release on the Wii U eStore. Of course, uh, many gameplay elements from Donkey Kong Jungle Beat were reused in Super Mario Galaxy, according to Wikipedia, which was made by the same development team. The helper monkeys were originally going to appear in the game as enemies, but were later removed. These gameplay elements would also be used in its sequel. In Super Smash Bros. Brawl, so that was 2008 on the Wii, a stage based on Jungle Beat appears in the form of Rumble Falls. 
It is a stage that scrolls upward, similar to Melee's yeah. Icicle Mountain stage. One oh. of the music pieces that can be played on the stage is the background music of the level Battle for Storm Hill. Additionally, Donkey Kong's final smash involves him repetitively hitting bongo drums and clapping for a brief time, similar to how Jungle Beat is played, although I always associate that more with conga, uh, mm-hmm. and grows in range and damage if the player pressed buttons in sync with the beat. Mm-hmm. Several stickers and trophies based on the game can be collected. So I guess there's stuff, yeah. there's stuff in Ultimate. Smash Ultimate is there that relates to that because Ultimate's got everything in it. Uh, it hasn't got Rumble Falls though. No, oh. and, and, it, nah. and it doesn't have those uh, stickers either because they were used uh, to sort of modify your characters. So you could place yeah. these stickers on a, on a sphere and then change the attributes of your character. That's right. Yeah. Oh, That's I wonder right. if there's yeah. anything in the game that specifically relates to... There must be some music because that game's got yeah, so much I, Nintendo I music. Do, I do remember uh, in, in Ultimate, you mean? Mm. Okay. Yeah. I thought, I'm confused now because I thought Ultimate had every Smash stage. Uh, it's, it's 95% everything. Okay. And then some of the guff, yeah. i.e. Rumble Falls, was removed. Okay. Yeah. Good <laughs> stuff. Three word reviews. Alex79 UK says, not Donkey Konga. The Manapool says, drums and nanas. Bear Fishby says, percussive primate platforming. Andrew Elmore, platformer, splatformer, slapformer. And Eric Mickles says, Michael Crichton's bongo. So in summary then, we'll start with Brian. So when I look back at Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, um, it's with nothing but a smile on my face. And I think that it just goes to show you the type of game this is. It really brings forth the joy to me of what video games can be. I think uh, McKeel said it best earlier when he was talking about the way the unique experience and, and, and how this game is so unique from everything else. And when... The reason I still have my bongos, the reason I still have this game from all that time ago is because I can't sit down and get an experience like this with any other game. It, it's unlike anything you can play. And and I agree with Leon what he said with his controls on the Wii. I think it's completely doable there. I'm actually very interested to go and check it out now myself after having uh, this, this conversation. But I really just love the way that game makes me feel. It's goofy. You can't. You can't look anything but goofy playing it. It's a goofy game in, in general. You're smiling, you're laughing, you're it and if you're me, you're using profanity when you don't do something right. And it's all about the score chase for bananas and and at the end there's just a bunch of monkeys hanging around Donkey Kong. You throw your bananas in the in the in the hollowed out tree stump and they give you medals based on how many you got. And at some point, no matter how much I love 3D uh, adventure games and narrative driven story based games and they all have their they, they all have their p- purpose and, and I get so much out of these these great stories in video games it's also very nice to have a game that's just to forgive the pun a barrel full of laughs and I think Donkey Kong Jungle Beat is a game that I'll, I'll probably never get rid of as long as I still have the hardware capable of playing it because it's just nothing but joy to sit down and play thanks Brian me next I really really like Donkey Kong Jungle Beat I find it a lot of fun. Uh, It's extremely cute, charming. I do like games where, even though ultimately it can get frustrating, that feeling of just trying to eke a little bit more out of a run, there comes a point where my skill ceiling is not always in tandem with that of the games. Uh, Although I haven't played enough of either version of this to know whether I might get to that point, I suspect that I could get okay enough at it to certainly knock out all golds, maybe maybe get some platinums too. Um, But yeah, this was a treat when I first got the GameCube version back in the day. Not sure why I drifted away from finishing it, given that it's such a, such a a quick game to actually finish. But, uh, but I would 
recommend that people don't let that put them off and also don't let, with either version, the fact that they have non-standard control methods uh, to use. Okay, you might not have Wiimotes and Nunchucks anymore and you certainly might not have Bongos. But if you do, if you have the kit, GameCube or a Wii or a Wii U even to play the Wii version on, I would recommend checking this out. Certainly if you're a Nintendo platform game fan, there's loads Mm. of stuff in here which is... I would say, of a similar level of polish and quality in level design and charm to things like uh, the Mario Brothers games. And obviously, yeah, this was considered good enough within Nintendo by Miyamoto and co to give Tokyo EAD the gig on the next flagship Mario 3D game, which is still one of the highest rated video games of all time, critically, and by me, more importantly. Um, So I think there's the fact that there's so much of that in here. And as I say, it reminds me of some other games that are also, I think, um, you know, real classics of, uh, if not the platforming genre, then the combo getting genre. These these games, Jungle Beat reminds me of, as I say, Nights into Dreams and also Sonic the Hedgehog and also Endless Runners or Free Runners, uh, games where the auto-scrolling runners, auto-runners, what are we calling them now anyway? <laughs> things like Super Mario Run, games like that. Uh, and also maybe things like Joe Danger, Hello Games, gem uh, mm. from about 10 years ago which, uh, again, was had lots of influence from things like Tony Hawk and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's both a really high-quality platformer here and also uh, a thoroughly engaging kind of combo high-score game. And, um, yeah, it's just a shame, I think, that so many people co- totally misunderstood what kind of a game this is. It's a platformer. <laughs> <laughs> Darren. Prize. Uh, yeah, yeah, so me and Donkey Kong Jungle Beat was... Um... Yeah, it's one of those games that over the last kind of 10, 15 years, I've been really fondly remembering, but only because I saw Donkey Kong swimming around in colourful jelly. That's the, that's my only image of the game I had from <laughs> playing it back then. And it's like, yeah, you can kind of see, cause there's bits in Mario Galaxy where like Mario is kind of floating around in suspended water and stuff like that. So you can see the kind of comparisons. And uh, yeah, it's always been that kind of imprint in my brain. It's like, yeah, one day we'll get back to that. And then, you know, lo and behold, here we are covering all the games uh, as possible. And this is one of them. And I really, really enjoyed my time with this game. Um, you know, even though I wasn't like the best at it, you know, I mean, I didn't go for all the crests and uh, maybe I could have done like like I did with the other Donkey Kong Country games um, of recent on this podcast. You know, I did go back and unlock the extra levels. Well, no, just just returns. And then I have spoiler, I've done it for Triple Freeze as well. But so there, there is Ooh. some fun to be had in terms of going back to Donkey Kong games for me and unlocking the extra hard stuff. But for this one, because of the bongos, I didn't really feel... I was in 100% control, so I wasn't really interested in having my patience tested. So I kind of left it out on a high note in that it was like one of the funniest games we've ever played. And yeah, I just, just loved every second of it until the end. And it, even the shortcomings I do have of it in terms of you know, a few visual issues here and there and the music not being very good, <laughs> apart from Jungle Hijinks, which is a classic. But um, to have that taken out of country and then not call it Donkey Kong Country Jungle Beat. It was a bit of a kind of a, not an insult, but kind of a slap in the face, really. They just mm. lifted the best track out of country and just went, yeah, it's not a country game, though. Don't worry about it. You're like, well, you can't slap in the bongo. that. It sort of became Donkey Kong's de facto theme, though, it after, did, because yeah. it was, so, it was such, a, such a banger that they've just used it everywhere, haven't they? Yeah, you can't not use it. But yeah, at the same time, it's just like, oh, that's yeah. a bit cheeky, cheeky, cheeky. But yeah, um, so yeah, there were a few shortcomings with this game for me, but ultimately, I really, I really am, am fascinated by it's just like like i said the presentation of it all is just one of a kind and 
you know, if we don't see another one, then that will be, you know, sad or like a port or something. But or, or a game as wacky as this, with you know, using the kind of the uh, is Donkey Kong a lesser known character? I guess he is the Mario, right? But he's up there still. But he, it, it, you kind of expect this kind of um, experimentation to come from like a Wario game. Do you know what I mean? So hopefully, if they do like a Wario jungle beat or something, and he goes rhythmic and locomotive and rolls around on his bum and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to see more crazy stuff happen with Nintendo. And maybe there's stuff out there that I haven't played yet, like Shake Dimension. Maybe that's just as weird. I'm not too sure yet. Um, huh. Maybe we'll find out. We might do that series someday. Well, I say that series, but all the Wario games uh, yeah. is something I'd quite like to do because they're mm-hmm. all weird and different by different developers. Yeah, and-, and I think this game has kind of inspired me to kind of check out the more of the, um, the mm. side stuff of Nintendo. We'll talk about this more probably on the Tropical Freeze show, but there are a few Donkey Kong games that we're not giving their own show to. There's a couple of handheld games that involve him clambering about, and there's the Barrel Blast one, which is a kind of weird flying game that has bongos on the cover but doesn't use bongos. Um, mm. <laughs> so we're, we're not being comprehensive, but this one was so well received at the time, and we yeah everyone on this show had fond memories of it, so it had mm. to be included. But we can't do every game ever because... We are mortal. Anyway, let's conclude with the man who streamed the game and got good, Mikhail. Got decent? Decent, okay. I think we've said it all, pretty much. All right, see ya. That's it, that's (laughs) it. Bye-bye. Good night. (laughs) If you have the ability, if you can, play this game, I would say. I really, I really love it. I would recommend it to uh, anyone that's that's able to to play uh, a game on, on bongos. And the reason is... You know, we've got so many, like I've said before earlier in the podcast, we've got so many standard platformers with sta- standard controls in which you run from point A to B or you you go out of your way, like more in the Yosh- Yoshi's uh, Island way. You go out of your way to find collectibles uh, along the way and, and and sort of explore explore the levels and find every nook and cranny. This is... Not like a run from point A to B platformer. This is not like an explore exploration, collectible-focused platformer. It's really its own thing. There's only one Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, only one 2D platformer in which you build up ridiculous combos by staying airborne and uh, rack up more and more bananas, aka beats. It's it's also really uh, really well uh, polished and really well executed. Uh, you know, Leon was mentioning already a couple of games like uh, King of Swing, uh, Jungle Climber, and and Barrel Blast. Sometimes you feel with uh, with a character like Donkey Kong, Nintendo, and its subsidiaries or the studios that they work with throw stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Some yeah. things don't stick, but Donkey Kong Jungle Beat definitely sticks. Uh, has been sticking, and I absolutely love it. And once again, would recommend anybody that's able to to play it. He does stick to the wall, indeed. indeed. Thank you, folks. It remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Darren and Mikhail, as well as our correspondents and to you for listening. And to tell you that next time in issue 411, it's the Kane and Rince J team of Jacob, Josh, James and John Sekiro. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. (laughs) 